0: Amen. sure appreciate what we've heard. And I'm very thankful to hear that preach because I was that person growing up under that type of teaching. I was terrified. I'd lay at night awake wondering, am I doing right? Am I in the right church so I won't be left behind? Oh, so thankful to know that the word rapture in the sense of how it's used is not even found in the Bible. So praise God. The truth will set you free. It certainly set me free. Thank you, Brother Luke. Wonderful words. If you'll turn in your Bibles back to Acts, the second chapter, there may be some of you that are kind of tired of launching off from Acts, the second chapter, but I certainly believe the Lord has blessed, at least in my studies of these things. And this morning, we want to talk about the marriage certificate. I mentioned that a couple of weeks ago, that whenever there's trouble in a marriage, you, you don't ever pull the marriage certificate out and just say, hey, let's study this, right? That's kind of silly. That that was the problem at the church at Ephesus is they had forgotten how to get along, how to fellowship, how to deal with offenses, how to interact with one another. They still had the marriage certificate. They still had the covenant, the evidence of the covenant. But Jesus said, you've left your first love. They did the exact same things that you read about here in Acts 2 where it says that they continued in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. But as they went along, they got legalistic and they forgot about the four aspects, specifically the aspect of fellowship. And I don't, I make no bones about it. There's a a specific uh, reason why the Lord has burdened my heart with this is because we've been in a time in the last couple of years, as I've told you each week, is we've missed fellowship. We've, we've just not been able to because of various reasons. Maybe they were legitimate. Maybe some were not so legitimate, but fellowship is an absolute essential aspect of the of the thriving and growth of the church of god there can be no question about it make no you say well i believe the truth but i'm not that into fellowship then you're not into the church of god if you believe that okay you have to believe in the four-prong aspect of what the early church did and one of the reasons this is so important is not just because we've missed out on a lot of fellowship over the last year and a half two years but because this is the church of God that we're dealing with. It's not just brother Tim saying we ought to do this. This is God's place. It's God's church. He's the head. He's the one that said it. I'm just conveying that message, you see. And some of you may have read the email I sent out last week and I'm going back to another quote from the Lord of the Rings because it seems to work. It seems to register, at least with some of you, uh, fans it does. The others are just going, what? <laughs> but anyway, one of the things, one of my favorite quotes on the Lord of the Rings is by Galadriel at the beginning of the Lord of the Rings, where she says, "And some things that should not have been forgotten were lost. History became legend, legend became myth, and for two and a half thousand years, the ring passed out of all knowledge." I'm going to modify that just a little bit. When it comes to the the truth, the marriage certificate of the Church of God, and I'll tell you that some things that should not have been forgotten have been lost. History has become legend. Legend has become myth. And for 200 years, the truth has practically passed out of all knowledge. Okay? We're going to talk about that a little bit as we consider the marriage certificate. So back to a positive here in the book of Acts. You see 3,000 people gladly received his word. That's in Acts, the second chapter, towards the end, verse 41. It says 3,000. Now, just get that in your mind. We were at the ball game last night. We went to the football game, and I don't know, it's what, probably 90,000. There was a lot of empty seats there, 80,000. That's a lot of folks. (laughs) I saw Brother Cole and some of his children there, and we were talking. Brother Cole looked at me and said, what if all these people showed up for church tomorrow? (laughs) And, you know, that's not a a, a crazy concept because I've thought of that many times. Many times I've thought of that. What if 3,000? were converted to the truth like these people were three thousand received his word this is the first message of the first gospel gathering if you will of the church of god as it's about to set sail in our age in the new testament age and he preached to them the resurrection of jesus we won't go back through what he preached to them but it's very clear what he preached and so three thousand were gladly receiving his word. They were baptized and they continued in these four things. They continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine. And there's a reason why doctrine is listed first. The marriage certificate. That's what that is. Christ is the husband. We are the bride. This is the marriage certificate. That's the doctrine. And in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Now let's read on and see what it looks like. It says in verse 43 that fear, that's respect and reverence and awe, Fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together. The word together is a word that means in relation to time, to place, and to order. They were together, you see. We need to be together as a church, not just in the mental part of it, I believe this truth, but we need to be together in terms of time and place and order, (laughs) Now, it says they had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. By the way, this is a subject for another day, and I'll be glad to talk to you about it. But the Lord never commanded that. I've got a couple of thoughts on why I think they did this. Primarily this, and I've shared this with you before, and I won't go off on too far of a tangent. But a lot of people will take this and and use it as a support for socialism today. Nothing could be further from the truth. First of all, God didn't tell them to do this. But the primary reason I think they did this, they sold everything and had a common fund, is because they believed what Jesus said that Brother Luke was just preaching about. That in a few years, Jerusalem's going to be wasted. If God told me, I'm not talking about if you told me about property values, because, you know, you may be right, you may be wrong. But if God told me that Zion community is going to be laid bare and and, you know, a nuclear bomb's going to hit it, God forbid... And it's going to be the value of of the property in Zion community is going to be zero because it's going to be radioactive one day. I'd sell out tomorrow. (laughs) You hear me? I love my home and I love where I am. I'd sell out tomorrow. Who wouldn't? And I'd move somewhere else. These people understood that Jerusalem was going to be laid waste. Property values would be zero. I think that's one of the reasons that they were so quick and prone to sell out like they did. God never commanded it. Don't forget that. And by the way, this caused what they did here eventually caused one of the first problems and wrinkles in the church of God in another chapter. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple, verse 46, listen to the language now, continuing daily with one accord means they were unanimous. What were they unanimous in? Well, they were unanimous in the temple. That is the place that they gathered to preach and to teach and to interact and to fellowship to continue in the apostles doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread and in prayer. That's the place that they had to do that. They hadn't left Jerusalem yet. They hadn't gone back to Ephesus and they hadn't gone back to Troas and they hadn't gone back to Philippi. Actually, it hadn't gone there yet. They hadn't gone back to the area in which they lived where their hometowns were. They hadn't gone back to those places yet. Ephesus had not been established as a church yet. So they gathered in the temple and continued daily with one another. Listen, I think I said this on the radio message a couple of weeks ago, but it is impossible it is impossible for me to get to know you or you to get to know me by me standing up here and preaching an hour uh, preaching for an hour 45 minutes 30 minutes and spending time here together a couple hours a week it's impossible you know, this ought to fly in the face of, of what we generally think about church. You say, well, brother Tim, are you saying, you know, you need to come over to my house every day and I need to come over to your house every day? I'm not necessarily saying that. I don't mind you coming over. Our house is like a revolve. It's like a revolving door. As a matter of fact, if we ever renovate, we're going to put a revolving door in front of our house. It's just going to be easy to get in. It's, you know, real easy. Don't get stuck. But this says they interacted daily. The Apostle Paul says over in Acts, further over in Acts, that he continued preaching and teaching to them in the marketplace, that's in the workplace, and in the houses, you know, from house to house. We don't need to forget this pattern. I submit to you that before the Lord comes back, somebody on this planet is going to be following this pattern. Because the Lord said, my church will not disappear from this planet. Will it be you? (laughs) Will it be me? I hope so. They continued daily with one accord. They were unanimous in their belief and their love for one another. And watch. Breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. <laughs> Eating their meat with gladness is a phrase that's, that goes back to the word hospitable. They were hospitable towards one another. They were. It, it especially means to welcome one another. They were glad to see one another. <laughs> Praising God and having favor with all the people. people and here's the result. Of of continuing in the apostles' doctrine of fellowship and breaking the bread of prayer. They have favor among the people. You know, people that weren't even in the church, in the community, they had favor among the people. I'll just tell you, 20 years ago, whenever the Lord burdened me to begin to preach and to teach in this area, I'm going to tell you, primitive Baptist didn't have a very good name. I know that because I'd ask people about it and they'd say, "Ah." You know, they, a lot of people thought that Primitive Baptists were absoluters. If you know what that is, I'll be happy to explain that to you. Because most of the churches in our area became absoluters. It means they, they believe that God ordained every single act that ever happens and every leaf that falls off of a tree. You know, that, that's not the character of God. And that's not what Primitive Baptists are. <laughs> but that's what people thought. Because that, that false teaching swept through here many, many years ago. I told you to give a little bit of history. <laughs> and, and it grieved my heart. Because I knew, I knew what real Primitive Baptists believe. And I knew that the love and the and the truth that Primitive Baptists believe could be a blessing to the lives of God's people. And I believe through the last 20 years, not just because of me, but because of many of you even, and even those of you that may be new to the truth, you don't think of Primitive Baptists as Ew, a curse. I hope you don't. What are you sitting here for if you do? You're in the wrong place if you think it's a curse. It's, it shouldn't. We shouldn't view it as a curse. We shouldn't see it as a curse. We should see it as a blessing if the truth is being preached, and that's that's the result of continuing the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. They had favor with the people. The people had smiles on their face and they were welcoming. They were hospitable. They were helpful in the community. And it says they had. And the Lord, not only that, the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And you remember the saved context. Now Peter said, "Save yourselves from this untoward and crooked generation." That's the context of the saved. It's not going to heaven or going to hell. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about being spared and delivered from the pitfalls and the temptations that are out in the world today. And if you're sitting there in your mind and thinking, well, I wonder what those are. Let's talk after the service. There's so many that you can barely put your foot down without stepping on one. <laughs> I've been pestering my kids over the last couple of weeks to help me figure out how to get this little icon off of my Facebook page that is called gaming? <laughs> and some of you're sitting there going, "Uh-oh, he's getting he's getting in my business now." I'm talking about my business, not your business. If you want to leave that on there, that's up to you, but I can't stand it. I don't game. And I, and some of the, I, I click on it and I'm like this is horrible people killing people all kinds of horrible stuff going on like, how do I I just keep going x x x x I don't know what to do if any of you will know how to help me get that off of there I would really much appreciate it there's pitfalls everywhere it's on your phone it's it's floating through the air right now there's pitfalls everywhere there's temptation everywhere the that's the devil's design and if you sit there and you think well I don't really know where they are then The devil's got you right where he wants you. Save yourself from that. How, Brother Tim? Continue in the apostles' doctrine and prayer and breaking of bread and fellowship, you see? (laughs) Let me give you just a little bit more history as we continue with the marriage certificate. (laughs) I mentioned this, I think, last week or week before last. In the 1800s, there was no such thing as primitive Baptists or free will Baptists or Southern Baptists or missionary Baptists. There was no such thing. There is Baptists. And in the 1800s, a great divide came among Baptists. And the majority, the majority of Baptists went in the direction of adding things to the church, adding activities. Things like mission boards, Sunday schools, youth groups. I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes by talking about this. But it's just history. You can look it up for yourself. They began to add activities Things that were in addition to what is clearly laid out here. They continued in the Apostles' Doctrine, Fellowship, Breaking of Bread, and Prayers. You see, men came up with the idea. It's in history. You know, the Sunday school idea was from England. And it was, in some sense, it was a noble idea because the man who came up with it was trying to spare. There were no child labor laws. And he was trying to to help children that were subjected, you know, 10 and under to, to uh, uh difficult works circumstances and weren't allowed to go to school so they came up with the Sunday school to try to educate them in reading, writing, and arithmetic on Sunday mornings before church. You know, that had a pretty good, pretty noble beginning, right? Well, it morphed into something else as time went by. All of these things were added to the church of God. And there was a group of Baptists and some of which were very famous Baptists like Elder John Leland who was in the Revolutionary War times and and stood for... The truths that, that we still preach and teach. Others could be named. Some stood for the original teachings, the original marriage certificate. Don't add anything to the, the function of the church of God. And those people became known. They actually were referred to as hard shells. And I don't know why hard shell is the word, but some say, well, it's because they were hard on the shalls. You know, he shall save his people from their sins. That could be, uh, and and it could be because maybe they were, maybe they were harsh hard shells. Some of the old hard shells have been harsh in the past, you know? (laughs) But you understand, for whatever reason, it's usually always the opponents of the truth that refer to individuals I'd refer to a group as what they are you know they they the the appellage or the the term christian was not a nice term whenever they were the, uh, the the ones in the book of acts were first called christians at antioch it was the enemies of the church calling them those old christians well down through the years there's been different names and primitive baptists eventually hard shells okay the, the reason we're called primitive Baptists, the reason that people refer to us as hard shells, is because we are going to maintain the simple truth of the Word of God and the simple practice of the Word of God. Amen. Now here's why this is important. Whenever the, and when the 1800s happened and the divide came and things were added to the church of God, it was not over doctrine, it was over practice, it was over uh, activities in the church. You can, you can read. I'll give you an example. Zion Primitive Baptist Church up here, not far from where we are, where my brother's the pastor. When that church was founded, it was founded by one Primitive Baptist. This was in 1848. It was founded by one Primitive Baptist and six other regular Baptists who had gotten letters of transfers from their church. Back in those days, there was not a big enough divide over doctrine. They still allowed that to happen. So Zion was founded with six regular Baptists and one Primitive Baptist because it wasn't about doctrine. And you can read it in their writings. It was about practice. But here's what happened. In the 1800s, the divide comes over practice, and that which should not have been forgotten has now been forgotten. You see, the activity takes you away from the doctrine. We don't believe in no activity, right? We don't believe in not having any activity. We just believe in following the activity plan that God laid down in the Word because it focuses on the doctrine, you see? So hope that's a a very short history lesson, but I hope it makes the point. The divide was not over doctrine. The divide was over how people interacted with one another in church. And the interactions, and there was so much activity and so much programming going on nowadays in the church of God that buried down deep there somewhere in a long forgotten articles of faith from when whatever church it was was established, you'll find the original thing that should never have been forgotten, which is the truth of God. Case in point. My dear friend, Brother Gary Farley, who's passed on, he's with the Lord. Years ago, when we first came to the church, came, uh, began to labor here, he was, the, he was the director of the mission, the Baptist, uh, Pickens County Baptist Missionary um, program for all the churches. And so he came to me and he asked me about Primitive Baptist. He wanted to know where we came from. You know, he, he was a little bit skeptical. I don't blame him, you know, because we hadn't had much of a presence in a long, long time. And so he began to research. And about two weeks later, he comes back and he plops down an Articles of Faith from the 1948 uh, Pickens Baptist Association. All Baptist churches, not Primitive Baptists. And he showed it to me. He said, look at that. He was my good friend. And he said, look at that. I, I looked at it. And it was identical to the Primitive Baptist Articles of Faith at this church here. And he said, what do you think about that? I said, Brother Gary, what do you think about that? I said, do you all teach that anymore? I said, we don't teach that anymore. I said, Why not? He said, I don't know. It's there. The truth is there. But it's not being taught anymore. And you say, Brother Tim, can it really be that important? Yes. Yes. It, It really be that important. It really is that important. You say, what is it? Ephesians, the first chapter, tells you exactly what it is. This is the marriage certificate. This is the concise, beautiful, poetic uh, delivery of the truth of God that Paul preached to the church of God at Ephesus. You don't have. To, he says they continued in the apostles' doctrine. You don't have to wonder what the doctrine was. You don't have to get confused by the years of history that has that where it is it is suppressed and depressed the truth of God. You can just go to the Word of God. Get your King James Bible out and just go to the Word of God. And I've heard people say, "Well, you know, I've never heard a sermon on Ephesians one." Well, you're hearing one right now (laughs) if you've never heard it and paul writes to the church at ephesus now here's a big what if i want you to think about this what if if as we bring our thoughts to a close here this morning what if every single church that has a root of this right here which all baptist churches do by the way side note many of the baptist churches throughout the southeast and in the united states of america come from a church that supplanted itself from Wales, England, over into New England. <laughs> the Welch Tract Baptist Church supplanted itself. I've been there. it's the, the church building is still there. The marker's still there in New England. That church supplanted itself from England, Wales, England. The Welch Tract Church completely moved over here to America. The whole church moved over here. So it didn't exist over there anymore. It came in a, and reestablished right here in America. And from there to South Carolina and down into the southeast... That's where Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church came from. That's where Zion Primitive Baptist Church came from. That's where a lot of your local First Baptists and Baptists this church, Missionary Baptist, those churches came from that root. So how much of an old Baptist do you want to be? Go back and look at the articles of faith of the Welch Track Church. They're identical to this church. And many of the churches, the churches that are established here in America have the same identification. What if? What if? churches, Baptist churches across the Southeast and across America had the courage to go back and look at their original articles of faith. And they said, well, I don't quite see it and I don't quite understand it, but I'm going to teach it. I'm telling you, child of grace, what if you'd see revival like you've never seen? You'd see it. It'd be amazing. What if every Baptist church in America went back to their original articles of faith and dropped every program that they had? You say, brother Tim, you're crazy. Well, there was a time when every Baptist church had this program right here where they continued in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and of prayers and there was no divide there. You want to see revival? It's not going to come from the next election. It's not going to come from what president's in there or what senator's in there or what representative's in there. It's going to come from God's people going back to the truth of God. And I will tell you this just to give you hope. I meet more and more people Just ask Brother Chris sometime. I meet more and more people in our local communities and in other places that are either their interest is being piqued on that or they're going back and looking at it themselves. It's encouraging. And it may be some of it because of some of you. Because you have a smile on your face and you talk about the truth of God and how happy you are worshiping God. But this is it. This is the marriage certificate. What if God's people went back to the marriage certificate? He says, blessed. This is verse 2, Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Here are your spiritual blessings. Here is the marriage certificate of the Lamb that He has purchased you as His bride. According as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. That makes sense that a husband would choose his bride, doesn't it? You know, I get it today. We're living in a cutting edge day. You know, the bride might choose the husband. But I mean, there's got to be an agreement. There's got, you know, some kind of meeting of the minds. One's got to choose the other. <laughs> and your your husband, Jesus Christ, has chosen you to be his. Nobody gets mad at me. Nobody fell out with me when I chose my wife. Praise God, she said yes 25 years ago. You know, I've joked and said, you know, there weren't all these ladies lined up and, and, and weeping and crying because, oh, Tim chose Tracy, you know. <laughs> We'd like to think there were, but there weren 't I was just I was just by the skin of my teeth, praise God, but nobody got mad at me for choosing a bride, and nobody gets mad at some of you who have gone to the, to, to an orphanage and chosen to adopt a child. Oh, I cannot believe that they did not adopt those other hundred children that were there. They just adopted one that 's terrible. We will afford adoptive parents. All kinds of grace and glory for what they do. And we will say, great job, Brother Tim. You chose a wonderful, made a wonderful choice as a wife. But we won't afford God that same that same glory and grace. And He's perfect. <laughs> you see, He didn't have to choose a wife. He didn't have to choose a bride. He didn't have to choose an adopted child because he he is complete within himself, but he's so merciful and he's so good and he's so kind that he went to the orphanage. And he didn't just look at one and say, one out of these 10 billion. He chose a number that no man can number. Don't get mad at God for choosing when he has the right to choose and he didn't have to choose anyone. He said, can that really make a difference in my life? Yes, it can. When you see what you are, and when you see that you didn't deserve for God to choose you. When you see that you're a wretch before God. As the song says, who am I? (laughs) And as the word of God says, David said, who am I? And what is my house that thou hast brought me hither to? I'm not worthy. I don't deserve the blessing of God. And yet he chose me by his grace. I tell you, that's life changing. It's changed my life. And if you walk in that, if you think, well, I'm a pretty good person, I don't, you're stepping on my toes, I, don't, I, don't, I think I deserve some things, then you don't understand what this is teaching. <laughs> See, nobody deserved the grace of God. Nobody deserved to be chosen. God didn't have to choose anyone, but by grace he did. According as he hath chosen us in him. And by the way, that's one of your articles of faith here at Bethlehem. That's the articles of faith of all Baptist churches back in the 1800s and many of them still today. <laughs> 1948 Pickens Baptist Association has that identical article of faith in there. We believe that God has chosen a people out of every kindred, tribe, tongue, and nation. Oh, I praise God for His mercy in doing that. That we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself. For the life of me, if you study predestination, there's nothing negative about it. You know, well, there was probably a lot of negative about this, but... In 2017, when I predestinated our family to travel out to California, you know, there's a couple times I didn't know if we were going to make it or not. <laughs> so there was a lot of, there was a lot of negative that could be said about Brother Tim's setting the destination for California and coming back and be gone for 19 days. And there was a lot of, a lot of trouble and trials that went on during that time that I won't bore you with it, okay? <laughs> That was a rough thing. But God's predestination, there's nothing negative about it. It says He has set your destination as an adopted child. Just like the adopted parent goes to the orphanage and said, I'm choosing this one or and this one or whatever. And they take that child. They don't just say, "Okay, okay, I've chosen now. I'm just going away. No, they take them home, right? They take that child home with them. Oh, what a glory it is that God's going to take His children home one day. You see, you've already been adopted. You've got the marriage certificate right now. You can pull it out and look at it and say, praise God, I've been chosen. Praise God, my destination has been set. That song we sang this morning, my Lord, I did not choose you. You see, God has chosen you. Because you wouldn't have chosen him if you had the opportunity. Having predestinated us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of his, the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the beloved. Now the preacher gets up in the pulpit today many times and says the opposite of that. You must accept Him. You must let Him in. But the Word of God, without exception, teaches that He accepts you through the blood of Christ. He said, "Well, how am I included in that acceptance? Because He chose you before the foundation of the world, and He wrote your name in the Lamb's Book of Life." And that's That's the most glorious thing that could ever happen in your life. You see, some things that should not have been forgotten have been lost. These things should not be forgotten in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to the good pleasure which He hath purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation, this is the resurrection, of the fullness of times He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven, that's the spirits of the saints that have gone to heaven, and the children of God who are still on earth, and the bodies of those that have been deceased, and the spirits have gone to heaven. He will gather them together in Him. Now, he repeats this. This is very important. There's really only one of the terms here that he repeats. In whom we have also obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. There's only one doctrinal term that he repeats there. And it is predestination. Could it be that... And yes, it it be. Yes, it be. (laughs) It be that... All those years ago the Lord knew that these things would be lost. The Lord knew that these things would pass out of memory. And so the Lord in his kind providence of his spiritual his holy spirit burdened the apostle Paul to mention that term two times. So child of grace, you should know two times as much about that term as all the other terms. Are you with me? It says he repeats it. Why? Because He wants us to get the point that your destination is set, child of God. Your, your holiness is secure in the holiness of Christ. Your future is set in the blood and the sacrifice of Christ and His resurrection. What if, what if the churches of God across the land went back to this? Oh, some people would have a heart attack. Some people would have a spiritual stroke. But I'm telling you, you would see revival like you have never seen. Did you know that three out of the four people that attended church went to church in the days of the founding fathers were predestinarian in their understanding? I'm not saying they were all Baptists, (laughs) but I'm I'm telling you that this was common knowledge. And if anyone says, well, I've never heard a sermon on that. Well, hopefully you've heard it here this morning. (laughs) But if you ever meet anybody that says you never heard a sermon, say, go ask your preacher. Why? Go ask him. I've issued that challenge on the radio. If you've never heard a sermon on Ephesians 1, go and ask your preacher. Why? Because it's the blessings of God. It's the the basic fundamental truth that tells us we are saved by His grace. And somebody says, well, what's the big deal? Here's the big deal. It's all about the glory of God. If God says, like Brother Luke taught us here this morning, that I will not lose one child, and somebody says, Well, he's gonna get you there if you'll do this, well then that there's somebody that's gonna get lost in that scheme, in that plan. It's all about the glory of God. And when the glory of God gets bigger and bigger and and more glorious in your life, you get smaller and smaller, and you know what? As you get smaller and smaller, you become more useful to God. (laughs) You ever heard I've heard this. Somebody would say that, oh, an evangelist died, and, "Oh, I can't, I, I can't wait to see him in heaven, because he saved all these people from going to hell. We, we, you know, we're going to thank him, and there's not an evangelist or a missionary or a Sunday school teacher or a preacher or a youth group pastor or any type of individual that's going to get any glory in heaven. The Lord Jesus Christ is getting all the glory. <laughs> you see, that's the doctrine: All glory to God. I was reading, I was wasting a little time this past week <laughs> and uh reading about a very popular pop star that uh passed away. And as I was reading that, the child of that pop star said this, talking about the death of their parent. And that, this was a the quote. They said, the thirty-something-year-old, late twenties, she says, "I'm very spiritual." In talking about the loss of her parent, this very popular cultural icon, she says, "I'm very po- I'm very spiritual." She explained, "Whenever I take pictures, I see two orbs. I sometimes see two butterflies flying together. I always believe that that's my grandpa and my mom together. I got something better than that." You don't have to look at a butterfly and think, well, maybe that's my long-departed loved one reincarnated. You don't have to do that. And by the way, if I get to heaven and my dad is flying around as a butterfly up there, I'm going to be disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to see a butterfly, Harold. I want to see Harold. Right, Mom? We want to see Harold. We want to see grandmother. We want to see grandfather. We want to see friend that has passed. We want to see loved one. I don't want to see a butterfly. I don't want to see some kind of reincarnated. I want to see them as they are. But most importantly, I want to see the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's the only way they'll be there. Let's continue to praise God for leaving us the marriage certificate. We can get it out and look at it. And don't, maybe that little what if that I said will lodge in your mind. What if the churches of God that have that root would go back? you'd see revival like you have never seen. It'd be amazing. If there's one or more here that would like to follow the Lord, trusting in His choosing and His setting your destination and His taking care of your salvation, then we give you that opportunity as we stand and sing.